0: on the field in the broadcast booth ron johnson is minnesota sports one of a kind opinions big name guests the teams you care about every 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 day it's the ron johnson show part of locked on sports minnesota and it starts
1: now welcome to the ron johnson show and i'm your host ron johnson It's a great Friday morning for those watching on YouTube. Thank you for those that have downloaded and subscribed on our podcast. We appreciate it, but also tell your friends, share it, let them know. Make sure you continue to subscribe and follow us on all social platforms as well. We love to interact. Um, In today's show, we're going to talk Vikings. What is this season going to look like? What are some things Kevin O'Connell is going to do that's going to make fans go, wow? And then we're going to talk daily three, of course. That's three questions, three minutes. Today's question, though, you're going to want to stick around for that. Is Kevin O'Connell one of these new age, crazy coaches that looks at the analytics of the game? We'll let you know about that one. But as I bring Sam Extraman, my producer, before we jump into this, Sam, uh, we're going to talk Vikings. We're going to look at what the season can bring. But we know fans, there's some prop bets out there. So we're going to get a word from our sponsors
0: first. It's Bet Online, and they've got all the props, all the futures that you want for the NFL season. They also have NBA lines. I already took a look at Game 2 for the Celtics-Warriors series. It's Warriors minus 4. People made some money on the Celtics last night, though. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can get the latest odds, news, sports developments, including the basketball playoffs. MLB scores, big fights, and NFL futures, of course. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering information. They've also got live betting and esports. They've got you covered from every angle. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Back to you, Ron.
1: Yeah. And so, Sam, as we talk about the season outlook, I'm going to make three. I don't even know if they're bold. I mean, I guess I can really jump out there, but I'm gonna make three predictions for the season. And this is why. You look at Kirk Cousins, I've thrown the numbers out there. He's one of the top passers. You have Dalvin Cook, one of the top rushers. You have Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the NFL. You got Adam Thielen, one of the top, I still think he's one of the top 10 to 15 receivers in the NFL as well. Uh, you have Erson Ju- Smith Jr. coming off injury. A coach is willing to use the tight end. You got CJ Ham. a guy that's gonna be in a new role. You have a defense that's going from a 4-3 to a 3-4. So they're going to attack from multiple angles. You know, it it reminds me of the Kobe Bryant commercial. I love that commercial. Uh, It was the, like, Kobe system. And and the big thing was, um, I think it was, like, the attack strong, attack fast or something, but it was, like, same animal, different beast. And so that's where I think this Vikings team is. It's going to be the same animal, but a different beast. Same makeup, same players but a different way to attack, you know? And it it even reminds me of the Kanye, like, but, but I'm already the best. And Kobe was like, you're welcome. Like, that's what this season is going to feel like. Like these guys know how good they are. Justin Jefferson knows how good, but he might become triple crown good. Like he has a chance to become triple crown good with Kevin O'Connell because we saw what Cooper Cup did with the Rams. You got a quarterback who can make the throws. So here's my bow prediction one. Justin Jefferson will be in the top three for the Triple Crown this year. He is going to be one of the top three guys we keep an eye on all season for that Triple Crown as far as a receiver goes. He's going to be right in that mix. That's one. Two, the Vikings offense is going to be a top five offense in the NFL. They're going to have a top five offense. And then three, this is going to be a top five. 15 defense and that's not that bold but coming from 25 jumping 10 points that's a big jump i'm gonna put them as a top 15 defense those are my three sam
0: yeah i think that's a winning formula i think if you are league average on defense and if you are elite on offense you're probably going to win double digit games and that's that's what you look for in a potential super bowl team if you look at super bowl teams of the past There are obviously a few exceptions, but in recent years, you've got to be fueled by your offense. You've got to be up there as one of the best offensive teams in the league. That's going to be sustainable in the playoffs. So I think that, I mean, that's what Vikings fans should aspire to see is to have the offense be top five, fueled by Justin Jefferson, as you alluded to, and have a defense that can win you a few games here and there. Um, I'm thinking the following, Ron. I think Irv Smith Jr gains 750 yards or more. Now, that's not George Kittle. That's not Rob Gronkowski in his prime. But 750 yards for a tight end, when you also have a Jefferson and a Thielen and a Cook, I think he's going to be massively used. I mean, I think he's going to be the kind of tight end that can offer you an occasional 100-yard game, and I think he's going to score eight or more touchdowns. On defense, I think Harrison Smith has a big interceptions year. I just feel it. I feel like this defense somehow is going to enhance his ability to be around the ball. I think Harrison Smith has five or more interceptions this season. I think he's got the best hands in the Vikings secondary. And I think that Daniil Hunter plays all 17 games and has 15 or more sacks. I just think that if he's healthy, he's a sack a game kind of guy. And they're going to, Send him at quarterbacks in creative ways with Ed Donatel. So I, I like you. I'm I'm bullish on this team and and increasingly more so. Um, I think I was pretty negative up until the summer, and maybe I'm I'm just I'm mesmerized by listening to Kevin O'Connell and watching the OTAs. Maybe I've fallen in under his spell. Um, but it's hard not to like some of the things you're hearing about and seeing on offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and Kevin O'Connell, I mean. I heard Charles Barkley talk about it on the match um, because I'm re-watching a lot of the highlight stuff now. And and I don't know if you saw that, but Charles Barkley made a comparison of Tom Brady to Brad Pitt. And uh, and then it felt like a little Dave Chappelle-ish. You know, he's like, don't look Tom Brady in the eyes. Um, I I think Kevin O'Connell... He He's there like he's got a purple aura around him, mm-hmm. you know, like 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 the Rick James glow and Kevin O'Connell's doing this and there's a purple glow behind him. kind of like the,
0: us. We've got the purple glow behind. Exactly. Us. It's and like all he the, walks around with the purple glow. Yeah. And
1: all the fans are just, you know, every time he looks you in your eye, you're just like, oh, man, OK, you're right, coach. You're going to you're going to get this going. Like he has that aura right now. He has that don't look him in the eye thing, you know, and he's not a, you know, he's an attractive guy. He's not like a, uh, you know, it's not like women would say he's, he's not hard to look at. I think that's the saying. I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things. Like he he, he has confidence, you know, because that's the other thing, too. Like men, you know, when, and women, when you walk into a room, it's about confidence, you know sometimes you can be attracted to a person's confidence and you can you can buy into a person's you know confidence in a room and the way you know they grab the room you know and you're like oh wow okay like this person really knows what like you know like chelsea handler you know i don't know if you ever watched her show but she's extremely confident you know she's extremely like open she's gonna tell you exactly what she wants to get done and when people see her you know, you're like, oh, man, OK, I, I'm really vibing with this person. Like she's she's really got it under control. Like, you know, she she's she's a person that you don't really see people that really hate her, um, you know, and I think, you know, Kevin O'Connell, you know, brings that, you know, Barack Obama. He was the same way. You know, he walked out. You're like, oh, man, OK, you know, Brad Pitt, you know, that's another one. Megan Fox, you know, there's some people that just walk into a room and they're like, oh, like Kevin Hart, he's about this talk. So he walks into a room. You're just like, oh, there's little Kevin. You know, he's funny. All right, he doesn't make you think like this guy can. He this guy's gonna win some games for us if we put him on our team. You know, and so you know maybe this it's the six five in Kevin O'Connell. I don't know where it is, but when you think about this team, this leadership, and this atmosphere, exactly what you said. I think you've been mesmerized. You know, you 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 you've you've fallen to the purple aura. I can just see Rick James with Dave Chappelle though with the fake wig calling you over come on over we got this see eventually sam after about seven games you're gonna be like you know what kirk cousins is a top 10 quarterback it's coming Mm -hmm. watch kirk cousins is gonna look you in the eye after throwing a touchdown
0: you're gonna be like never you know what never i'm not coming over to that dark side kirk you are top 10 (laughs) (laughs) it's coming it's coming
1: watch just wait i can't wait for it (laughs) don't do this to me ron (laughs) but that'll do it for segment one of the ron johnson show and up next on the ron johnson show we're gonna have my mentor one of my mentors in this industry and then just life fatherhood everything greg coleman former vikings punter has some great things to say we got a questions to ask him. i mean this guy played for bud grant he was one of the he, not one of he was the first black nfl punter so stick around for that interview but
0: first a word from our sponsors thanks ron let me tell you about built bar chocolate peanut butter chocolate coconut white chocolate berry how can you choose just one well now you don't have to you can get a mixed box at built.com right now these are so different from the bars and the puffs which we previously talked about built granola bars are loaded with granola perfect combo of crunch and chewiness but just like bars and puffs these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100 percent real chocolate ron 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. Built granola bars are going to change your world, and they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built granola bars in all three delicious flavors. Go to Built.com. At Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. We're going to go back in
1: time. Old school punter, first black punter, uh, great friend, mentor of mine, Greg Coleman. Greg Coleman, if you don't know, has done it all for the Vikings from TV to radio, sideline interviews, player alumni, uh, and then he hosts his own golf tournament um, in Minnesota for charity. Uh, Greg, I want to thank you for joining the Ron Johnson Show. I want to start off just with that. Like, being in the community um, well after you're done playing you don't see a lot of players stick around and and host tournaments and, and do charity events um what was one of the reasons you did that for for the state of Minnesota and and just the community
2: Ron the basic premise was uh, trying to make a difference in the lives of young people uh, because growing up down in Jacksonville there were a group of people whether it was teachers coaches uh, mentors, parents, everybody had a hand in raising. Uh, ha- everybody had a hand in my upbringing. Everybody had a piece of who I am, defining of who I was, and knowing that young people sometimes all they need is just a little bit of help, uh, because you've heard me say it before, all of our young people are not going to hell in a handbasket. It's a few that gets the uh, gets the majority of the attention. But we've got some great kids in the Twin Cities community and all throughout this country, and it was just our thought and, and want to to help young people. That's that was the premise 22 years ago, and here we are again. We have been to capacity over the last couple of years, especially coming out of COVID. This year's it will be no different. We will be at capacity. So if you're thinking about it, man, you better sign up and and uh, let's get you uh, let's get your foursome in.
1: Yeah, hey, Greg, and and to talk about. You know, that, you know, be having a hand in upra- upbringing, um, community of people, the NFL players, you know, it, it's a it's a fraternity that less than one percent of Americans get to be a part of, and that's making it to become a pro football player. Um, I, I was blessed and had the opportunity to do it. I grew up in a household with my dad that had done it, uh, but then I look at my dad's teammates, you know, um, you know, Mel Blunt, Joe Green, and then I turn around and, and look at guys like Mike Webster. And and so to kind of, you know, not to bring it down, but, um, you know, I know you know Marion Barber Jr., his dad. Um, you know my dad. And then you look at Marion Barber III, who played for the uh, Gophers and then also went on to the NFL, and he recently passed away. Um, what is it, like, when you look at your teammates and you look at the, 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 the guys that don't stay as connected as the others do, um, why is it as men – uh, that some players tend to do that? And how do we make sure to keep connected with, you know, former players?
2: Well, I would I would applaud, well, first of all, y- your dad in our era, we were all we had, you know, so we we were bound by connections. Even with the lack of technology that we had, we found a way to stay connected. I applaud the Vikings for what they have done. We have what they call decade calls. And if you played in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, we have a former player to host each one of those decades. Believe it or not, Bud Grant has been on numerous ones. Uh, The new head coach, uh, Kevin O'Connor, even Kwasi has been on several of those, introducing themselves to the former players, talking about how important they are uh, to the fabric of this organization in the community, inviting guys back. And I just saw You know, on social media, a lot of the former players were out at OTAs, uh, the Joey Bronner's and, and Paul Krauses. And these were men who were disconnected with the organization for many, many years. So I applaud this new culture. I applaud this new openness. I applaud this new transparency. And I would even have to say, I even go back to Mike Zimmer. When Mike first came on to be the head coach of the Vikings, I go to introduce myself. He said, Greg, you don't have to introduce yourself. I know who you are. I see the pictures on the wall you guys, this is your home, this is your fabric. Every organization is not like this, Ron, and you know this. Mm-hmm. We have one of the best alumni associations. Uh, you know, we had over a hundred plus guys to come back to Minnesota uh, for Vikings alumni week. So uh, Tracy uh, McDonald and, and Tom West, they do a great job in, in hoarding, herding guys. It's like herding sheep and, and they, they keep us connected. So. That's one way, Ron. And, and I'll answer your question. You said, "Why do men not connect the way that we should?" Mm-hmm. The ending of this amazing opportunity, called the National Football League, it doesn't last forever. And since the way that you end is not the way that you begin, mine was just the opposite. I was cut when I was after I was first drafted, so I got a taste of reality. I got a Taste of life, I had to go back and get a real job. I had to work, five, I was a, a high school history teacher. And in in knowing that, man, this is what I wanted to do, I worked my butt off. But again, I had a dose of reality early, so I was not a, a pre-bonus baby, I was not a pre donna I was not a diva. I knew that you were only one play away from being a former player, an ex-player, or an alumni based on a coach's decision or an injury or something that you did that just did not jive with the culture of your organization
1: yeah and so looking at this organization and I heard you say culture um, and change why is it so important for you know new regimes or, or if players have made comments uh, why is it so important for culture to change you look at roll the boat you know with PJ Fleck and the players have have really started to take to that. Uh, The fans are starting to understand it. And now you bring in Kevin O'Connell, who has kind of this, you know, young, open door policy uh, kind of culture uh, where guys can be free, be themselves. Why is that so important?
2: Well, Ryan, if I were to put a label on this particular culture, culture in talking about culture, period, I would use my position as a punter because my assignment, my job was to flip the field. That meant putting the organization, putting our team in a better position than when it first, where it first was. And and I say that this new organization, this new regime has to flip the field. And I look at it as a mindset. Yeah, my job was to flip the field. But if you flip the field with a different mindset, a different culture, a different attitude, if you shift the atmosphere in an organization, if you get, I say, if you get 20%, 20% more of the men to buy into culture, buy into flipping the field. Ron, that equates to maybe four more victories during the course of a year. And how many games did this team miss the playoff spot? One game. So Mm -hmm. if you talk about an additional four games with flipping the field, a different mindset, that means that you're in the playoffs. That means everybody is on one accord. You talked about P.J. and row the boat. That means everybody has an oar in the water, but you got to make sure that you're rowing in the right direction. And, and these are things Ron that I have learned over the years through through leadership teamwork uh, you know connectedness and all of those things you when you talk about culture it is critical for any organization and it's not just the players in the locker room it's the players on, it's the men and women who work in the organization on the second floor in the third floor and if you all come together for the same common goal and the same common reason I mean there's with the talent that's In this organization, with the coaching staff that you have now, with the new mindset, as you mentioned, there's no reason that the sky's the limit with this organization.
1: Yeah, and and Greg, I mean, you did something monumental you know, when you look at the punter in the NFL, um, honestly, let's be honest, it was always a white guy. You know, that was the thought, like the white guys are going to be kickers and punters. Um, I knew growing up, even in a black city of Detroit, we didn't even have a true kicker and a true punter. It was our defensive end who would punt. And then we just really didn't kick field goals. We went for two. Um, when you, when you, you know, stepped onto the NFL field and like you said, you got cut, but then you end up making it and you became kind of the face of punting for African-American kids. Um, you know, you look at King, you know, and all these other guys now who are punting and, and Reggie Roby, um, you know, being, being a forefather of, of minority punters, you know, how does that feel?
2: Well, it was humbling, Ron, to be, if I can be per- perfectly honest with you, because I didn't think about it being the first. Mm. It was a position that I saw. I saw this guy from the Baltimore coach come out. Everybody else was bloody, rainy, muddy and dirty. He walked out on the field in a clean white uniform, picked the ball, walked back to the sideline. At a very young age, maybe eight, nine years old, I said, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. And I worked my tail off. Yeah, I had speed. I was a great athlete, could have played some other positions. But, you know, God had birthed in me the ability and the desire. He said, you know, you give me the, he would give you the desires of your heart. And that was a desire, man. I worked for it. Was it easy? Heck no. Did I get all of the cat calls and you know, called all kinds of names, absolutely. You know, I was cut because of my athletic ability after I was drafted with Cincinnati. I ran most people with the exception of Isaac Curtis and Archie Griffin. And Paul Brown said, man, you got too much speed to, to just be a punter. So he ran the living daylights out of me. Long story short, didn't make it because I had to compete after running fly patterns, pass mm-hmm. after pass. and. It, it was just the wrong situation at the wrong time, but I went back and I re- got refocused. I got recommitted. I got reconnected with what I wanted to do and what I said I wanted to be in my high school yearbook. And I celebrated my 50th high school anniversary next weekend. In that yearbook, I wrote, I wanted to be a kicking specialist in the National Football League. And even kids at my own high school, my classmates and teammates said, man, you must be out of your mind. There are no black punters and kickers in the NFL. And at a very young age, I say, that ain't my problem. So I worked hard. I had coaches at Florida a m who nurtured me. You know, I wanted to go to some of the other big schools, Ron, I, you know, but my high school quarterback, Don Gaffney, was the first African-American quarterback at the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, Cap, we're going to be a package deal. Things didn't work out. I had coaches to tell me, Greg, we just got our alumni ready to accept the fact that we're going to have a, a black quarterback. We damn sure can't okay have a black kicker right now. So Florida NM comes, comes to the rescue and they said, "Miss Coleman, if your son, uh, he can kick, he can pump, he can run track, and if he goes to class, uh, he'll graduate and we'll feed him on top of that. My mama said, give me those dirt papers. Where do I sign? And the rest is history. Man, I had teachers and coaches, Pop Kittles taught me how to kick to the corners. He said, baby, kick it where they ain't. If you kick it where they ain't, they'll find a place for you at the next level. That's how I developed the craft of kicking to the Coleman's corner. Some people call it coffin. and I say Coleman.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, last one, um, you know, just looking at Marion Barber, man, like I remember seeing him come back to Minnesota. He and I connected. Uh, we call Spice Adams, and everybody who knows Spice Adams is a funny guy. So we call Spice Adams on a three-way um, video chat, so Spice and Marion, and I can see Marion's face light up you know, talking to Spice. And I've done that with a few people. Todd Heap, uh, when his daughter uh, passed away, you know, Todd and I ran into each other when the Ravens uh, played the Vikings a couple of years ago here at US Bank Stadium, called Spice on on, on FaceTime to talk to him. When, when Lewis Scene just came, you know, I called Spice. Spice is kind of my guy. He's the, he's the connector because gotcha. uh, everybody knows him on social media. And so and he always answers the phone. Um, and so you know, called him to meet the new rookie Lewis Scene, because Lewis Scene said he's a big Spice Adams fan. But looking at that connection, man, I've I've seen Daryl Reed, Ben UTEC, um, guys reach out, like, hey man, we need to fly out to Dallas to 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 hang out with Marion and you know, talking to Dom about it and and all this other stuff, you know, for you talking to not just you know guys that are are, are kind of on their own, because you know, some guys stay where they played and they have friends in a circle. Some guys go off and they live in these places and nobody really can get in contact with them. Nobody really sees them. Um, And then all of a sudden these stories pop up like this and we're all like, man, I wish I had called them. Man, I wish I reached out to them. Um, What what could your advice be to men and alumni? Because women do it, man. Women, they're always talking, connecting, calling, texting, phone calls, emails. Whereas men, man, we just assume that we're all okay. or we're all struggling too, so we don't know how to help somebody else or reach out to somebody else who might not have a friend here and there. Uh, what, what is your advice to some of the former alumni going forward, man, so that we all stay connected?
2: Let me, let me go back to the rookies uh, first. I have an opportunity to talk to the rookies each and every year. Les Pico and his staff do a great job with the Minnesota Vikings. I have the opportunity to share with them my perspective on being a former player and some of the do's and don'ts, and you can't tell anybody what to do, but mm-hmm. all you can do is provide them with guidance and directions. Mm-hmm. Then it's up to them. But what, Ron, I learned at a very young age that you cannot do life alone. Mm-hmm. And isolation is the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. And then you start playing these stories and mind games over and over and over, like nobody's lo- nobody loves me. I'm all alone. I got cut. Well, if you played in the NFL, you're going to get cut. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a part-time career, but it's a stepping stone to your future. And if you look at it as that, and know that sooner or later, you know, you're know, you gonna be a former player. So you establish relationships. Ron, when I was a rookie with Minnesota, I, I printed a business card because I knew that sooner or later I was gonna be a former player. I put my phone number, didn't have emails in and, and, <laughs> and, and social media and all that stuff. We didn't even have cell phones back then, okay? So I put my house number on there. And when I went to these functions, I gave these business people my card. I got there, So I started a level of connections outside of football, because mm-hmm. again, you cannot be isolated. You cannot do life alone. I make it a habit of reaching out to one or two former players each and every week because if we don't do it, if we don't share our stories, you know, in, in the midst of writing a book now, you know, with some of the downtime uh, that I have and doing some public speaking, uh, it it reminds me that Ron, I live by practicality. And my my pastor told me we have to we have to be prayerful and practical at the same time. You know, you gotta. You gotta you gotta preach with a Bible in one hand and, and live with the USA today in the other because you've gotta stay current, you've gotta stay relevant, and you've mm-hmm. gotta stay in touch. You cannot be isolated, Ron. And there are resources through the NFLPA uh, and the alumni association and the players trust that if you need help, man, drop the guard of 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 pride. That's mm-hmm. the word that I'm looking for. Drop your pride and and humble yourself. And reach out and say, man, you know what? I don't know how to go. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do, but I need some help. And help is there for you. It may not, it it may come from the strangest places that you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, Ron, I applaud some of the things that you have done over you doing your career and post career. Man, I love what you're doing with this platform, your voice. Voices need to be heard. Stories need to be told because stories is nothing but history. And if we don't tell history, people talk about, you know, CRT and all of those things. There's a lot of history that's being uncovered. You mm-hmm. know, we spent a, a weekend in the Fusky Islands down in South Carolina over the weekend, you know, the, the Gullah culture and learning about uh, some additional African American history and all of those things. So, man, we, we can't live in isolation. We've got to let the light that God gives us, we got to let it shine because sometimes this world can be a very, very dark place, but whatever light the, God, the good Lord gives you, man, let it shine. And I appreciate you doing
1: that. No, no, appreciate it. Thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson show up next. we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes. We'll be back after that. And then now it's time for the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes.
0: Take it away, Sam. I want to read some stats to you, Ron, from last year. We all know that some coaches are getting more and more aggressive going forward on fourth down is becoming the new thing to do. Mm-hmm. So last year, the Lions led the NFL in fourth down attempts with 41. Chargers weren't far behind. Everyone talked about Brandon Staley. They had 34 attempts. Look down at the bottom. Seattle, 11 attempts. The Chiefs, 15. So not not every team has adopted this new mentality the vikings were kind of right in the middle they went for it 22 times last year which end of the spectrum is kevin o'connell gonna fall on when it comes to fourth down aggressiveness that's our vikings question of the day
1: yeah and so i'm gonna just go to the rams when you look at play calling he you know you're 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 subject to your parents um i look at my kids i look at other kids um, you're subject to your parents and you also you're going to do whatever your parents allow you to do and get away with. And so with him and Sean McVay, you have to look at when they ran for it or went for it on fourth down one crucial moments. They they weren't afraid to go for it. Uh, are you in the 40 or the 30 as a punt worth at this point? Or can we trust our defense to flip the field and hold this up? Um, I, I think they're going to be in that 30 ish, 35 ish range. I think they're not going to be the top but I do think they're going to be top half like I think they're going to jump up a little bit uh this is why when you look at some of the creativity if it's fourth and two or fourth and three or even fourth and four depending on what part of the field they're in a choice route with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen on both sides is an easy opportunity for a first down. Another guy that can run choice routes within his offense is Dalvin Cook. We've seen him run some choice routes, some Texas routes, if you want to call it, but it's just a true choice. You get up, boom, you can cross his face, boom, out, boom, hook up. When you're looking at fourth and three, fourth and two, fourth and one, um, and, and Quasey said this to me analytics are just a way of looking at the numbers. So when you look at a young coach, he's gonna look at those numbers, he's gonna take into account where he's at. And then he's going to make a decision. But I think he's going to be a little bit more aggressive. I think, you know, with Ed Donatel's defense, if that three, four defense starts all hot and they're doing a great job of getting off the field on third downs or not, you know, they're a true bin, but don't break defense. Um, I can see him taking a lot more chances. And, and then, you know, again, it's the, it's the success of your quarterback. If you feel like your quarterback under pressure in fourth down is just ice cold and he's killing it, like ice in his veins, and he's D out there on the on the football field, I think they're gonna go for it.
0: Yeah, I don't really care about the quantity of decisions they make on fourth down. I just want them to make the right decisions. So if you're fourth and one, fourth and two, and you're at the 40-yard line or beyond, you got to go for it. If you're inside the five-yard line and you're looking at a fourth and goal at the two, you got to go for it. I mean, it's all about maximizing possessions, maximizing points. And I think that if you make enough right decisions over the course of the season, you are going to get rewarded for that. The question is, will Kevin O'Connell have the fortitude to be different? Because a lot of people get upset. If you make the wrong fourth down decision, a lot of coaches, I don't think, have the fortitude to continue making those decisions. Like Jim Harbaugh last year made so many fourth down decisions or two-point conversion decisions that backfired. But he's Jim Harbaugh. He's one of the best coaches in the league. He has the equity to make a decision like that. Kevin O'Connell has no equity yet. He hasn't built up any goodwill in this fan base or ownership. So will he have the cojones to make some of those tough decisions, knowing it could backfire and could put egg on his face in his first year. Yeah. All right. Number two, the twins Ron unspeakably lost four of five games in Detroit and things are only getting worse. They've lost four players now as they go to Canada um, on the COVID restriction list. Cause they're not vaccinated. Max Kepler and a handful of relievers. They are banged up like crazy. They're super hurt. They're slumping is this just a blip on the radar for the twins or is this a sign of worse things to come
1: uh i think it's a possible sign of worse things to come there's the thing they're 30 and 23 yeah 30 and 23 so they've kind of come back to the pack now the good thing come back to the pack as far as the whole mlb but the good thing is the Guardians are behind them at 22 and 24, and you got the White Sox at 23 and 26, and then you got the Tigers, who got four from them at 21 and 30, and then you got the Royals at 18 and 33. So uh, the fact that like, I was bullish early on, they brought me back to reality. Like I am not caught up in it like I was with the Timberwolves and like I'm going to be with the Vikings. Like, I thought they should have got four out of the five. They, I said they would go four and one to the twin, to the Tigers. It went reverse. They went one and four. Like, I completely – I mean, thank thank you, Detroit, I guess. Like, you, you 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 instilled a little hope in me, but I completely got that one wrong. Like, I just thought they would run them over. Now, of course, you got the injuries, like you said. Um, You know, you got the mental of like, okay, we got to go to the, Toronto, and now we got to look at – you know, we got people in the media asking our players who's not going to travel. So there's a lot that can wear on you when it comes to that stuff. But, again, it's baseball. Like, the players, like you said, relievers, Max Kepler. Um, like, should that have been a big deal? No, you're grown men. You can deal with this. You knew this was coming. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is a sign um, in this, you know, they're three of seven out of the last 10. That's not a good stretch of 10. Um, and so, yeah, they've, they've got to kind of get a hold of this thing.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate that you go out of a stretch like that worse off than you were when you entered it. I mean, the hope was that they'd be like 12, 13 games above 500. And now it's mm-hmm. down to seven. They They could have way opened up the division race. And now they're, they're letting the Guardians and White Sox stick around. And the schedule is going to get easier for those guys and harder for the Twins. So they've got a pretty tough road ahead here. I'd be surprised if they win any games in Toronto at this stage. But maybe they'll surprise us because baseball is a crazy game. Ron, this probably should have been number one in the rundown. <laughs> the, the NBA Finals game last night. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I almost turned it off when it was a 15-point game late in the third mm. I thought I was watching game three of the uh Wolves Grizzlies series all over again. It was astonishing. The Celtics come back. They outscore the Warriors 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure they missed a shot. Um, could you believe what you were seeing as the Celtics took down the Warriors and come from behind fashion?
1: No, I was I was tweeting, you know, Steph Curry's trying to show y'all he's the MVP uh Andrew Wiggins is going to be second in the running for MVP when you look at what he did he was the number two scorer for the Warriors you know and I you know I kind of talked about how the Warriors spread the floor out Steph Curry you know let me have his dance you know when, when he goes around and gets the matchup he wants and he's running around like he's on the playground playing tag and then he gets the guy I think he got Williams at one point oh my goodness and then he's like you know step to my loo crisscross hezzy, you know and then he hit him with like the one-legged fadeaway step back I mean He was just on fire, layups. He's throwing, you know, uh, finger rolls up into the rafters and they're dropping in. And so you think the Warriors, like, you're like, this is Steph. This is vintage Steph Curry. This is their game. Like, they're not going to lose this game. And I think, yeah, like 1.6 seconds to go in the third quarter, they were up 14. So you're like, this is Warriors closeout fashion. And the Celtics show why they were able to do what they did beat the defending champs. Beat the uh, Heat in a, in a close one. Beat the number one seed in a close one. Um, knocked out KD and Kyrie. I mean, they just keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming, and they don't stop. Like, And I think at one point, I forgot, like, number 11, I forgot his name, and number 9, I know number 9 is a guy that, like, you know, paid off his student loans with his first contract, and now he's playing in the NBA Finals. Derek White? Yeah, D2 guy, went to Colorado for a year. And so he hit a shot. Then the other guy, number 11, hit a shot. And then Al Horford comes down and hits a three. It's like, whoa, wait, what? Like these guys are just like they were, it was like they're trading twos for ones. They were, they are twos for threes. They were willing to let Steph Curry get to the lane. Let's stop him from the three, chase him up the three. If he drives, he drives. We're going to have to knock down threes. And their recipe worked. They slowly cut back into that lead. They end up winning 120 to 108. So they were down 14 and won by 12. Like that is a 26 point swing in the fourth quarter, 26 point swing in one quarter. Like that's crazy. Like that is Timberwolves Timberwolves-esque, like that 26 mm-hmm. points. So, I mean, the Celtics put the Warriors on notice. Like, look, this is not going to be this win in five series. I saw all the jokes and the Jason Tatum jokes. And Hey, I don't know if Kobe's getting them texts, but Hey, it worked. Cause he, he didn't do anything but that team was being carried by an angel. Like Jason Tatum's 12 points did not scream MVP. So everybody thinking he's going to get the MVP it's Jalen Brown at this point, if they find a way to win this thing and if they mm-hmm. can get another one, if they still another one. Oh, and then they got to go to Boston. This really might be a Celtics in five, but that's might only over. if That's yeah. only if they can get this next one in, in golden state. Cause if they, now they have the golden state warriors thinking, and that's the that's spot you don't want to be in is when you're thinking.
0: Yeah, Golden State favored by four on betonline.net. Um, I think that Golden State still wins that game, too. I think they bounce back. They're too good not to. Mm-hmm. But it was just crazy to me how the, the unusual suspects were the ones who were carrying the uh, the Celtics. It was Pritchard. It was White. It was, I mean, Horford from the three-point line isn't exactly what you that's not your bread and butter. No. They they, they could not miss. Yeah. And and credit to Brown, because Brown was the guy when they were down 14-15, he was the one that got him back in it. Brown got them back to within 10. I think he had a three to pull it to seven. Mm. Um, he had that initial spurt, and then it was just raining threes. Unbelievable game. Um, I'm I'm really excited for the series. And I actually I hope the Warriors even it up. Because I want this thing going six or seven. I don't want to have a sweep. I want this to be competitive all the way through. Right.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I hope it is. go to seven because, hey, I have no dog in this fight besides that I did pick the Warriors. So I'm still hoping the Warriors can win it. Steph Curry can get his MVP. And then he's a Hall of – I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer. But now is he the best point guard in NBA history? I mean, that's between him and Magic Johnson. We'll see. People keep forgetting about Isaiah Thomas, but we'll talk about that later. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show, I want to thank everyone – who subscribe to this point, who's continued to listen and who supported us. We me and Sam, the Locked On Sports Family, we truly thank you guys. Have a great weekend.